0: the coast of Sweden. It's as bleak and gloomy as I hoped.
1: Yeah, it's great. Remind me again why I came with you on this Swedish vacation?
0: Because I told you to. Uh-oh, here comes a local.
1: <laughs> he looks weird. All dressed in black, in a cowl, and a cape. Is it Swedish Halloween or something? Yeah, he did. not Yeah, hi. Look, we're on vacation. <laughs>
0: He's gesturing for me to go over to that chessboard over there. Hey, uh, Swedish Dracula, I don't feel like playing chess.
1: Looks like he won't take no for an answer.
0: Then you play him. I
1: don't know how to play chess. 3D chess I can play, because, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. Star Trek, I know. Just go play with the beach weirdo.
1: But what if I lose?
0: Big Whoop, just play his little game. What's the worst that could happen? Hello everyone and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding.
1: And I'm Steve Shives.
0: And on this show we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around the movie has a one of the greatest movies ever made reputation, huh Steve?
1: Oh oh, 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 man! Yes.
0: Okay, thank god you added the yes, I wasn't sure what was happening. I thought I maybe just, you hurt I, yourself.
1: Well, I, I've noticed that, you know, usually when you throw it to me at the beginning and you're like, right, Steve, my, my reactions are always kind of the same. So I wanted to, you know, throw a little extra energy in this. You thing. wanted
0: to force it.
1: Yeah, because that always works, right?
0: <laughs> you wanted to force enthusiasm for exactly. this being Every- one of the greatest movies.
1: <laughs> Everybody loves forced enthusiasm.
0: What a great way to start this review with a completely forced, False note of enthusiasm. (laughs) I watched this movie and I don't think I could muster a, oh yeah, like you did. Couldn't you, couldn't (laughs) you, uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage at something? (laughs) Oh yeah!
1: Ooh, Seven Sealed, yeah, Dark Swedish Cinema.
0: You just said the title. (laughs) Whoops. Ingmar Bergman, yeah. What give the whole thing tell tell the folks what what movie we're We we
1: as the macho man just said we are <laughs> reviewing the classic Ingmar Bergman film The Seventh Seal.
0: Weird. Yeah. Mm. I don't know how to feel about that. Get it? Get it.
1: <laughs> um yeah, and yeah, you're right. It's probably not the type of film that inspires a lot of high fives when people find out they're going to watch it.
0: Excuse Excuse me. <laughs> Macho Man, but what did you do to prepare for this bout? I watched *The Seventh Seal*. <laughs> Ready to play chess with death, yeah. So you guys know how this is gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, *The Seventh Seal*, considered one of the greatest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like required watching when you went to college because we really wanted to hurt kids. We really <laughs> wanted them to say, "Oh, you're happy here. Watch this. Watch this will give you a lot to think about, or you'll just be confused or whatever."
1: Impressionable young minds.
0: Personally, I think if you wanted to confuse people with an Ingmar Bergman film, you would give them like I don't know, like Cry of the Wolf, or um, what was the other one? What's another really dour one?
1: Oh God. Well, I mean Bergman. Um, <laughs> I mean- <laughs> <laughs> like
0: well i mean he didn't make um, too
1: many summer romps did he like
0: wild, stra- he made wild strawberries comedies. yeah Wild strawberries. He made a few yeah. comedies in the 19, 1970s, 1960s. So I mean, he wasn't all doom and gloom. No,
1: he wasn't. He was a multifaceted filmmaker.
0: And if anything, I think this movie is a little life-affirming. How about that? There you go. Because I would argue we have it worse than the people in this movie.
1: <laughs> At the moment, I think you can make a compelling case.
0: <laughs> At least there was no one running around telling people that the that the plague was a hoax. Right.
1: They may have gotten the cause wrong, but everybody agreed that it was happening.
0: (laughs) At least they weren't having plague parties to see who would get the plague. Right, Steve?
1: (laughs) Let's give everybody the plague, and then nobody will have it, (laughs) because I guess that's how that works.
0: Oh, yes. The Seventh Seal. We're taking this totally seriously. Yes. Steve, Mm -hmm. do you have any trivia for the movie The Seventh Seal? As
1: a matter of fact, I do. Uh, Okay. Do you know... Who else considers The Seventh Seal to be one of the greatest films ever made? My grandpa. I'll take your word for that, but that's not where I was going.
0: It would come up every Thanksgiving. (laughs) Really? I don't see any reason to say grace around the Thanksgiving Day table, for does God exist? He has not shown me his face. That's all I want. (laughs)
1: So, wow. (laughs)
0: Grandpa, we told you not to watch the Bergman film before family (laughs) gatherings.
1: (laughs) It was on TCM. I couldn't help it. (laughs) Once.
0: I don't think it would wind up on TCM. It's not colorized or, tra- or, or overdubbed.
1: Oh, hey, wow. major. Speaking of
0: which, I did manage to find someone who tried to colorize it. It's on YouTube.
1: Have they been executed <laughs> for crimes against human culture?
0: A lot of the comments were very polite, but said you should probably watch the original yeah. if you want to get the full I, effect.
1: I'm, I'm sure it's at best it's a case of you did a very nice job on this thing you shouldn't have done. Right. You know. Exactly. Um, Anyway, so no, uh, the Vatican.
0: Oh, well, I can see why.
1: The Vatican considers this actually in 1995 to celebrate the, uh, the centennial of movies. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Vatican released its list, because I don't know who asked, but the Vatican released its list of the greatest (laughs) films ever made. And Mm -hmm. it it came out with a list of 45 movies uh, divided into three different categories. And the categories Mm -hmm. were religion, values, and art. And The Seven Seal is one of the films chosen for the values category.
0: It's right between... Porky's too, and Benji
1: exactly uh, it's a very surprising list considering you know the Vatican
0: you know uh, we're gonna have to do Porky's sooner or later Yeah. because we keep using it as a goddamn joke
1: <laughs> I mean I think it fits our criteria um, whatever I think so too. whatever you think of it. Um, and actually if you, <laughs> if you look at the if you look at the overall list that the Vatican released, it's actually a really good list. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean you wouldn't you might not depend I guess de- depending on your opinion of the Catholic Church uh, you might be surprised but yeah the Seventh Seal is in the values category alongside other such films as bicycle Thieves and right. K- Kieslowski's, uh Decalogue on the Waterfront. Mm-hmm. Wait and a
0: minute, the Decalogue? The Decalogue, I
1: know, that. yes! <laughs> Holy crap! The Decalogue is on the if list. If you
0: wanted to find something even more bleak than the I movie know. that we are going to review, yeah. watch the Decalogue.
1: Yeah, yeah, for any, uh, Christoph Kieslowski's Decalogue, for anybody who hasn't oh. heard of it or seen it, there's ten movies, and, good uh, gravy. yeah. it's Yeah, but anyway, that's, a, yeah, so. Hey, it, kids,
0: guess what? Sleeping with your stepchild is probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh
1: yeah, so it's a really it's a really it's actually a surprisingly interesting best films list, especially considering that, you know, the Vatican made it up. So uh not not a lot of chuckles on it, I will say. It's yeah. a fairly serious list, not not a whole lot of comedies on it. Although there actually, are actually
0: you know what? I can totally see the Decalogue making it simply because of what the Decalogue is based off of. Right.
1: It's based on the it's loosely inspired by the Ten Commandments and Very uh, loosely. Yeah, yeah. But and that's, that's, yeah, that's, what a, that's what a contrarian of a filmmaker, Kieslowski, was. He said, I'm going to make ten movies about the Ten Commandments, but I am not doing one movie per commandment just to screw with you. Yeah,
0: just to, to screw just with to, people. Just
1: because I know that's what you're going to expect. I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs>
0: I swerved you. <ya. laughs> Ha-ha! That's what, he, that's what he said at Cannes. <laughs> I swerved you.
1: Gotcha! That's what he sounded like. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> Did you
0: like my Decalogue series? Ha-ha! <laughs> This is the nightmare for all the people who hate foreign films. This is the one podcast nightmare, because we've talked about nothing that almost nobody knows about. Right. So far.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so moving so, on.
0: Some guy, our, our three fans in Germany are finally like, oh, finally. <laughs>
1: yes, They're talking Subject matter that I
0: understand.
1: <laughs> um, so, no. Okay, so moving on. Uh, yes? Uh, as we're about to get into, one of the central uh, sort of images and 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 uh, I guess concepts of of the movie is the yeah. idea of of the character playing chess with death and that that's something that even a lot of people who haven't seen this movie are, are aware of and right. and uh, that was inspired by a mural painted in a Swedish church called Tebby church um, that was painted in the late 15th century by a great Muralist named Albertus Pictor. And uh, Bergman portrays his version of death in the movie in a certain way, but uh, in, in the mural, death is actually represented as a skeleton so it's as, like a, as,
0: as like a corpse really
1: like a yeah, he has like a skull head but yeah you're right his body mm-hmm. is kind of look looks like it could be a corpse but yeah so you know and it's just a regular looking it's not a knight it's just a regular looking dude you know just like a villager mm-hmm. with a little jaunty hat and he's just yeah, just playing some chess with death no big deal yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and it's
0: appeared in other in other forms prior to this film yeah but That's true, this, yeah. Yeah, this popularized it to a wider audience, to movie makers, um, mainly because not everyone has the time to investigate <laughs> pre Renaissance art. <laughs> and I wonder
1: where he got the idea.
0: That's an original
1: idea. <laughs> oh. That
0: fifteenth century painter ripped off the Theme Bergman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and actually for my last bit of trivia, that kind of ties into <laughs> it because uh, the this this movie that we're about to review is I think it's probably safe to say it's um, it's Bergman's most well known film among like the broader culture. I think there's um, one
0: more you just think? a little bit. You think? Fanny Fanny and Alexander. Well
1: yeah. Yeah, maybe.
0: I mean I, granted this movie is going to outlive Fanny and Alexander because I don't know how many people actually remember Fanny and Alexander when it came out, right? Right? I mean, it's been out now for what thirty years, thirty-five years. Even,
1: yeah, it's, yeah.
0: It, it made a big thing. It was an Oscar darling or whatever, and it was like, hey, Igmar Bergman's making another movie. Oh boy! Um, but this movie's this movie is going to be the shining point, I think, of his career. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and you know, this is in his middle period as a as a director. He made some other movies prior to this, but this one this is like he peaked kind of. Yeah. I like his other movies, don't get me wrong, but this one is the most accessible, I think. Yeah. After this point, he goes a little bit more esoteric and the way he tends to show things and then he gets a, out of that that period of his his movie making. Like I said, he made he had a long career. He made comedies, he made lots of stuff. So um, but yeah, this is the big. This is yeah. the big spike.
1: Well, and this was his sort of like. Uh, this is his equivalent of Seven Samurai. This was like his big like international breakthrough, where like people in that's the, true, especially that's people true. in this country were like, oh, you know, I'm paying attention to this guy now. Um, but yeah, so I th- and I think it's one of the reason I say I think it's his most mainstream or well known movie is because it's one of those movies that people know even if they've never actually seen it. And mm-hmm. because of the, I mean, the, like the the iconography of playing chess with death, and also just the 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 design of the death character is something that you see oh, yeah. you see referenced over and over again. I mean, the, the the examples that I've chosen to mention are Death from Bill and Ted, uh, especially I mean, Death from Bill. Like and that's Ted. that's like a direct spoof of also, of Seven did, Seal. I,
0: Has anybody ever seen a movie called The Last Action Hero? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's another one. Who's
0: playing Death in The Last Action Hero, Steve? Oh,
1: fuck. Who is playing Death in The Last Action Hero? Max Max von von Sydow. Yes, Max von (laughs) Sydow. So he switched switched sides. Um,
0: Yeah, he's playing... A character that he wasn't playing in this movie. Yes, but I mean.
1: Yeah, and uh, so, but the my my personal favorite is uh, there uh, about ten years after this movie came out. So it was I think we're talking 1967-68, um, There was a short film uh, called De Duva, which was a parody of Bergman films. That was That's not a French film. Yeah, isn't it? it was nominated for an Oscar for best I think for best short film. And uh, and it's a parody of, of Bergman films, and of course there's a character of death in that, but in De Duva, instead of challenging death to a chess match, they <laughs> challenge death to a game of badminton. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, so...
0: You know what, this is, the, you know, oh boy, we we never sound more pretentious than when we do a foreign film, you realize that? <laughs> We're going to have to do shit and fart comedies for the next three episodes. To
1: get to, we haven't even started talking to, about the movie yet. To get our reps
0: back. <laughs> so anyway... Yeah, but we're just casually flinging off other foreign films. I was going to even bring up the dude oh, but you I were? didn't do it. <laughs> yes, I was. But now I'm not going to. Because you beat me to the punch.
1: If we can only find a way to shoehorn in a reference to Robert Brisson. Oh, I think I just <laughs> did. Um... Anyway, that's all my trivia. Any, so.
0: Anyway, um, oops, I slipped in the diarrhea. Now we're back. Good. <laughs>
1: um, Goodbye, folks. Let's,
0: let's do who made it. Okay, ready? let's do it. Okay, now all these guys are from Swedish films, so don't expect a lot. Okay?
1: <laughs> You've heard of one of them. Maybe two. Yes.
0: Directed by Ingmar Bergman. You guys may have known him from the equally uplifting Virgin Spring. (laughs) Wild Strawberries and Fanny and Alexander. Uh, Produced by Alan Eklund, who... uh, basically produced almost, well, a lot of Bergman's films from this point forward. Screenplay by Ingvar Bergman. And here's a little fun thought. This movie, and I'm I'm not going to save it for my end thing, this movie is literally the struggles that he was having with faith mm-hmm. and death and all that stuff. And he just said, fuck it, I'll, I'll take all of these aspects <laughs> that I'm struggling with, I'll make characters out of them, and I'll make it into a movie. But it's actually based... On Tramrilling, which is a, a play that he wrote, mm-hmm. that was a comedy. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I, I kind of always wondered if he had not modified it and kept it a comedy, if it would have hit so hard. Yeah. When it came out, I don't, I don't know. I've never seen it. I, I would love to see a production of it, translated, so I know what the hell they're saying. But you know, whatever. <laughs> Starring Gunnar uh, Björnstrand as Jans, the Squire, and you'll know him from other Bergman films. Bengt Ekkerat as Death. Nothing. I mean, <laughs> he made a few films. He made like five other Swedish films. Yeah. So when I say nothing, it means they made a scattering of other, other Swedish films. Nils Poppe as Joff. Max von Sydow as Antonius Block, The knight. And do I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's the one you've heard of.
0: He's the one that's everybody's sad grandpa. Yeah. If you need a sad grandpa, you you get him. If you need scary grandpa, you get him. That's true.
1: He just needs to make a slight adjustment.
0: (laughs) Not much of one at all, actually. (laughs) Or if you need someone to play the one of the most iconic villains of ever, Ming the Merciless, you get him. Hey. hey. Actually, the best Ming the Merciless. (laughs) Um. And you get to see him here, and he's all noodly. It's like he's just out of college. I know,
1: little baby Max von Sydow,
0: <laughs> with blonde hair so blonde it's nearly white. BB <laughs> um, Anderson as Mia, Yoff's uh, wife. Bergman films. Inga Langre as Karen, who plays Block's wife. Blink and you'll miss it. She's barely yeah. in it. She yeah. reads the Bible at us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Aka Aka Fredell as the blacksmith Plog, and he has the best name in the entire movie. He does. Um, Inga Gill as Lisa, the blacksmith's wife. Eric Strandmark as Jonas Skat, the manager of the little troupe. Um, Bertil Ender Enderberg as Revolve, the thief. Though that son of a bitch. Uh, Gunnell <laughs> Lindblom as mute girl. Maud Hansen as witch. Hmm. Oh boy. Gunnar Olison as Albertus Pictor, the church painter. Anders Eck as the monk. Bengt Bengtson. Oh.
1: Works for it's me. A foreign film, everybody. <laughs> you know how
0: much problems I have. As the merchant. Gudrun Brost as maid. Lars Lind as young monk. Tor Borong as farmer. And Harry Askeland as innkeeper. Music by Eric Nordgren, and he did a lot of Bergman films. Edited by Gunnar Fischer, Bergman films. Edited by Lennart Wallen, nothing. Couldn't find anything for him. It was distributed by A.B. Svensk Film Industry. Release date, February 16th, 1957. That's right, it's a Valentine's Aww,
1: Day <laughs> it's, it's the, What a great date movie.
0: I am feeling too happy. Let's you and I... <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it's perfect. It's the movie. It it opens after Valentine's Day. So it's the movie you go to see after the breakup.
0: Oh, okay. When you
1: just want to wallow.
0: You're talking to a man who got broken up with in college on Valentine's Day.
1: And you went to see The Seven Seal.
0: It was a scene from a Fellini film, Steve. I was in a show dressed as a, as a... No, honest to God, I was dressed head to toe in a black tuxedo with a, with a red uh, a red vest, red spats, red gloves, a bowler hat tipped to one side with a red band around it, mime face on because I was a trick cyclist in this show called Spokesong. Oh, my God. I got a call in the back room filled with oversized, oversized props, and there is me dressed as a clown being broken up with by my girl. Oh, my God. And then immediately going on stage to perform bicycle tricks.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) And
0: then sing several songs. Wow. I, now, here's the thing. I can laugh about it now because I'm decrepit and old and I can see the humor in it. But at the time, Uh no, no, (laughs) I I had been turned into Pagliacci. Two seconds before I got to go out on stage.
1: Oh my God, that's the so
0: your little Valentine's Day joke hit home, buddy boy. <laughs> that's
1: the worst and best story I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> anyway, where was I yes. before I got so rudely interrupted? Running time: ninety six minutes. Ninety six minutes. Uh, A movie this impactful is only ninety six minutes long. Right. Locked.
1: So what's your excuse, people who make four hour movies? <laughs>
0: Budget one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I guess I didn't bother to adjust for inflation because that the first number is an adjustment from whatever pretend money they use in Sweden. <laughs> I don't. What do they use? I don't know. King Gudendorf.
1: It's, it's whatever it is. It has a lot of consonants in it. I'm gonna bet. Or,
0: if it's Swedish, it's either overly long or abruptly short like they're cavemen <laughs>
1: right and it ha- and it ends in like an N and a D and an L and you're they like what in, what is what in the a-
0: cast list we have a person named Gunnar Bjornstrand and another person named Eck. Eck.
1: <laughs> okay
0: so I don't know what the if, hey if anybody in the comment section wants to tell us what Swedish money is great I don't know they're all in euros now anyway doesn't matter
1: yeah exactly
0: and that's it we're done we're done Steve so, do you want to go into the gloomy black and white world of the Seventh Seal with, yes, with me? Yes, let's travel. Maybe, maybe we'll get the plague.
1: <laughs> travel back to the halcyon days of Sweden <laughs> during the time of the Black Death. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, yay. Here we go. Yeah, and let's go into the world of the seventh seal, Steve. Take it away.
1: Oh, boy. I hope you like uh, ominous, depressing Bible quotes. I do. You do? Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, because we open with uh, a, a quotation uh, from the Bible, from a passage from the book of Revelation, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: a, like all movies should
1: a, Yeah, like all movies should Especially movies Buppet that movie
0: ha- should have this quote before it
1: <laughs> yeah. Movies like, like you know, light-hearted comedies about kids at summer camp mm-hmm. And when the lamb had opened the seventh seal
0: Hello, <laughs> actually- they cut off his foreskin and threw it at the feet of the rabbi
1: Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun
0: It's What was that?
1: Um it's uh, no, it's it's a quote from from the Book of Revelation about how after after the seventh seal had been opened, there was a silence in heaven, and that'll be For thirty minutes. Yeah, so that'll be so.
0: One of the angels was timing it on his Rolex. No, so. like,
1: and that's thirty. Okay, everybody,
0: time to kill everyone.
1: Because in heaven they keep time the same way we do.
0: Yeah, heaven has a has a stage manager, and <laughs> cue death, death. <laughs>
1: All right, everybody, we're going live in 10. Get them up. Get them moving.
0: Come on. The quicker um, you get out there, the quicker we can release these hornets with human faces.
1: <laughs> Start pouring out the bowls. Go. One, two.
0: <laughs> and, oh, no, God's asleep. We're losing the audience.
1: I need angels on trumpets. Three, two, one. Uh, no, so that's what. And uh, <laughs> so we, we get the Bible quote. And uh, we meet our our main character, who is a knight named Antonius Block, who is on his way home from the Crusades.
0: No, he's not. He's just laying there on the beach. Yeah, he's
1: laying on the beach along with his
0: squire. It's called a Swedish suntan. <laughs> yeah. Where you wear all of your armor, it's cloudy and nearly sunsetting, and you're not, that's, yeah. It's
1: the, the, <laughs> the least depressing beach in all of Sweden. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's less of a beach and more, more or less, a bunch of rocks. It
1: reminded me, actually, it reminded me of one of my, one of the biggest unintentional laughs, I, or maybe it's an intentional laugh. I don't know. From our Herzog's Nosferatu, where um, uh, the wife says, uh, I-, "I miss the beach. Let's go to the beach," and then it cuts to, it cuts. <laughs> It cuts to Lucy and Jonathan on the most depressing fucking beach you have ever seen. This just dreary, windswept beach, Mm -hmm. no sun, it's clouds. There's no way we're...
0: You just had to reference a fucking Herzog And they're now.
1: standing there dressed in black and it's like, <laughs> Oh my god, this is so perfect. Um
0: I, I see what you miss about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like well, yeah, of course. I'm glad we came to the beach. So yeah, it's not it's <laughs> kinda like that beach as we find yeah, uh, a little bit. Sir Sir Antonius and his and his squire. And yeah, they're they're laying there on the in the sand, just kinda you know kicking it kicking it. <laughs> Um,
0: and the knight gets up, goes yeah, out, yeah. sets up his chessboard. Yeah, Because yeah. I guess he likes him playing some chess. Yeah,
1: he just, you know, passes the time.
0: Yeah. Goes out, splish splashes in the water, and then, before you know it, well, bam! What's up? I'm
1: Death! They get a little visitor.
0: <laughs> How you doing? Hey, I'm
1: Death. How are you?
0: <laughs> Hi. Here's my card.
1: <laughs> Not that you need it. I am obviously <laughs> Death.
0: There's a great line in here where it's—I think it's actually Death's second or third line when when Block says, uh, "Just give me a moment," and <laughs> Death says, "They all say that." That's what they all say. Yes, I love that. <laughs> That's what they all say. He's like,
1: "No, come on, dude, you got to go." Mm-hmm.
0: But Block is kind of like, "Hey, you know what? You like playing chess, right?" And then, and Death is like, "Do I like playing chess? Of course, yeah. I'm the best there is. I'm
1: Death, man. <laughs> I he's invented like, well, how chess." About-
0: you play Death with me, and um, you kind of hold off on the whole taking me away thing. And if I win, you just leave me the fuck alone. How about that? And Death is like, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'll work.
1: <laughs> yeah, de- Death agrees basically not to take him as long as the game is going on. Yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it doesn't... I've killed everything. You know that, right? I'm present at every death. Not just you humans, but everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there.
1: <laughs> Everything that dies, that's me. there
0: mm-hmm. There's been billions of death before, uh, of dead before you. I'm sure you'll be able to beat me. Let's yeah, fine. His squire gets up, right? At yeah. some point, he doesn't see anybody, right? Right, exactly. Cuz he cuz he's an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> and um then we cut to them uh, trodden somewhere, back home, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're on horseback, trotting away.
0: Because he's been spending ten luxuriant years in the Crusades. Mm, boy. It was a PTSD party (laughs) where you either came back crazy or disillusioned, but one thing for sure, not sane was one of the things that happened.
1: (laughs) You didn't come back the same as when you
0: left. Let's just put it that Uh way. And
1: and the Squire. Neither
0: did your country. Oh, oh.
1: (laughs) um, The Squire's singing a song, and at first he's singing a song about lying between a strumpet's legs. And the knight doesn't seem to be paying attention. So he's like, all right, let me try this. And he starts singing a song about God and how God is far away, but the devil is is right next to you. And and then the knight's like, huh?
0: And then we see a dude with a dog, and he's like, "I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some directions from this dude with the dog." And he walks up to the dude with the dog, and he turns out to be a guy who's dead with no eyes. Yay! That's that's gross. That's a, I didn't expect a jump scare this early. No, at it's the like movie. we're what
1: five minutes in.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprise! Because dead a, guy. Because Sweden has has the plague. Yes, and it's killing everybody. So this 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 poor crusader has come back for for the plague. Yeah. Yay! Thank thanks, baby Jesus. Awesome. Thank you. So, it's great. So I just he's killed, going I don't know things. how many Muslims in your name, but now I guess, yeah or Persians. I don't know why we have plague because I did this great whatever fine whatever, and now we jump cut. Where well, we jump cut?
1: To. Uh, we we this is this where we meet the actors. Yep. Yeah, we meet. There's a, a troop of actors, and they're kind of camping in the woods. Um, and mm-hmm. there's and one of them. Uh, they're not
0: camping in the woods. They're in a field. Yeah, they, oh, and, and camping by a tree. Get her I don't well, like this movie.
1: Whatever they have, they're in like their little. They're 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 stopped for the night, mm-hmm. and they're sort we of. We
0: meet. We meet Joseph and and uh, Mary. That, no, I well, mean Joff and...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mary's coming up though. Um, <laughs>
0: We meet Joff and uh, Mia. Mia, yeah. And they're constantly half-naked babies.
1: Yeah, now. I know. Like, get some pants on that baby, guys. Um, and
0: Joff gets up, and he goes out, and he's going to take a piss or something. Yeah. He's practi- what he says is, he's practicing juggling. He ain't juggling. He's just throwing a ball from one hand to the other. Yeah. He is not juggling. It's
1: not, yeah, it, it, exactly. Exactly. Um,
0: but he comes out and he's like hello horsey and then he sees something what he sees he
1: sees a woman walking in the sun in the distance with a baby like holding the baby by the hand so the baby can walk
0: and she's got a crown yeah
1: and he's and and she, yeah she's like bathed in light and he's and he's obviously like you know um, entranced by it yeah and uh real, and then
0: he rubs the tears out of his eyes yeah and she's disappeared
1: and he goes back into their tent and he wakes his wife up and he's like
0: oh my god don't ever guess what I saw and she's like, what?
1: I, I saw she the Virgin like, Mary. I saw the Virgin Mary. I saw the Virgin Mary. I saw the Virgin Mary.
0: Is this like that time that you painted our wagon wheels red and said it was because of the, the devil? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. I saw the Virgin so Mary, lying, you guys. You're lying about this, too. No. You saw the Virgin Mary.
1: I saw the Virgin Mary. And guess who was with her? I don't know. The baby Barney? Jesus. Oh, of course. The, well, yeah. The holy child walking on because his Because if it was feet.
0: just the Virgin Mary, how would you know it was her if she didn't have her baby with her. Exactly. Well, great for you.
1: (laughs) And that's how that scene goes. Mm
0: -hmm. Is this like that time that you swore up and down that the woman you were with was actually Mary? uh, The other Mary? Not that Mary. You know what I mean. The one that Jesus dated. Okay,
1: look. Mary Magdalene.
0: Yeah, her. You said there was nothing going on. It was just Mary Magdalene. Is it like that time?
1: That was an honest misunderstanding.
0: Okay, was it? What about that time yeah. I got you arm in arm with that big, huge guy, and you said it was T- Attila the Hun? Uh, was I supposed to believe that, too? Was that
1: not Attila the Hun?
0: I didn't look like Attila the Hun. It looked like Jorgen the blacksmith from the two towns over.
1: We always used to say he looked just like Attila the Hun.
0: You used to say it after you got caught. I'm tired of Is that of how that went? Yes, yeah, exactly how it went. I'm taking the bait. Oh, uh, okay. So they go outside, and it's obvious that they're more happy than what we just painted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: yes, they're actually, they seem like they have this idyllic sort of life, but, you know.
0: Even though they're just living in a cart.
1: Right. They're, they're yeah, they're, they're a traveling troupe of performers. and uh,
0: Sleeping next to their manager.
1: Yeah, who is, you know, uh, he's a guy. Jonas Scott. <laughs> Scott, yeah.
0: And uh, they put the baby down, and then they go up against a tree, and the baby crawls away. And you're like, oh, okay, so the baby's dead now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so they just let it wander away wherever it's going. Bye, baby! <laughs> but I mean, it's basically I'm so happy. Oh yeah, I'm more happy than you. No, I'm way more happier than you are. We're both happy. Let's just agree to that. Right? That's it.
1: <laughs> Why do we have to fight all the time about who is happier?
0: <laughs> ah, So then we cut back to the night. And they come upon this little deserted village. And there doesn't seem to be anybody home. And Yoff... Who is looking around for, I guess, water? Mm -hmm. Stumbles across uh, what's his name, Uh, Raval. Oh yes, doing what? What is he doing? He
1: well, uh, he's stealing something. He has like he's stealing like a bracelet, and then he and he he finds like this girl in the barn where he's stealing the thing from, Mm -hmm. and he's like, ah, don't look like you're you're no better than me. I'm stealing because that's what people have to do. It's everybody for himself,
0: And, and he's about to kill her. Yeah.
1: And then Jans comes but in. Shows. Or, he uh,
0: sees Yoff. Yoff is in there already. Yeah. And Yoff is like, Ooh, you're the dude that told my my uh night guy to go to the Crusades and That's that right. was bad. And now I blame you for that. Now you're just a low life thief. If I catch you again, I'm gonna cut you. I'm gonna cut That's you right. with
1: You're on strike too, buddy.
0: That's right, goodbye. And he runs he, he runs away. Yeah. And you're like, Yay. But then <laughs> but then it's not Yoff. What's it's his Yawf. name? Yawf. Janus, Janus, yeah. or Jay. Yeah. They say Jay a lot. Jans is like to the girl, hey, you know what? You're real lucky. And she's like, why? And he's like, because I totally could have raped you right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then he's like, thank you, Jans
0: yeah, thank you for the not Thanks rape. Thanks
1: for not raping me. I mean, come on. And
0: another thing, lady, um, my wife might be dead. I hope she is. Oh, <laughs> Just a second. I like living in this fantasy. Anyway, <laughs> I- I'm going to take you. You're-, you're mine now. You're my housekeeper. You
1: okay, okay, cool. Right. It's agreed.
0: You can be my housekeeper, so come on. It's better than being here and raped, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> By me, which I totally could do, but I won't. And You're welcome. Follows
0: after, yeah. And she follows after him. Now we might have mixed up these two things in plot succession, but I don't care. Um, <laughs>
1: as long as we get there.
0: Yeah. So then we go to a church.
1: That's right. They find a little church.
0: They find a little church, and inside the church is a painter. Yeah. And he's he's painting the dance macabre. Yes. Which is death dancing people to the afterlife. Right.
1: It's what happens Basically. after you die. Yeah. And
0: there's some stuff in there about the plague as well. And he tells them stuff about the plague. And um, Jantz is kind of like, nah, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. Fuck it, I don't care about nothing. There's no God. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because I represent atheism. So, nah, nah.
1: Uh I don't like your painting either.
0: (laughs) And uh, meanwhile, Antonius has gone to confession. Yes. Because we haven't really covered this yet. Um, Jans represents doubt. Right. He's he's having a bit of an existential crisis, like a like a major wall-clinging, help, I'm in an existential crisis kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, go, he goes over to the confessional, which is just a bunch of bars, and there's a monk there. And he's like, hey, monk, listen, I'm going to do a confession. <laughs> but it's more like a, I don't know what to do because I have all these th- thoughts in my head. Right. Like, where's God? Why can't I talk to him? Why can't I see him? Why is he letting all this bullshit happen? I'm hurt. I don't like it. And I'm getting angrier and angrier. (laughs) (laughs) And also sad. And the monk is like, "Yeah, yeah, I get that. I understand and all that stuff. But who's the monk?
1: The monk is sneaky old death. Yeah. yeah,
0: and then and then Antonius says, guess what I'm doing? I'm playing chess with death. I know, don't, j- just go with it. Anyway, I'm playing <laughs> chess with death, and, and if I win, he gets to, he'll leave me alone. But I'm playing a knight-bishop technique, and the monk turns around and goes, well, bam, it's death! <laughs> Got you, sucker! <laughs> and he's like, you're a lousy cheater guy. <laughs> How dare you? He should just say you should give up now because no one beats me. <laughs>
1: you can't cheat death, but death will cheat you.
0: That's right, buddy. Ha, ha, ha. And so, you know, he leaves feeling worse than ever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Although we do get a we do get an important little bit of character information here. This is where Antonius Tells death before when he still thinks that death is just a priest. Um, he says that he hopes that he can use his reprieve from death during the chess game to do one final meaningful deed. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yep, he's basically conflicted because he wants, he says, he desperately wants to believe in God. Right. Well, what happens to people who die who have, don't have that conflict within them? You know, resolved. Right. Do I get flung into the void? (laughs) Or (laughs) is it something like worse? Is there a worse thing? Right. And he can't get that answered for himself. He can't get that answered. So they all go to town and the players are there and they're doing their show, right, Steve? Yep, yep. A bunch of running, the the manager's running around like got a beard on for some reason, he's playing the flute and the. Joff is running around and he's got horns on his head. Yeah. I think, I don't know, he's the devil or something. I don't know. And Mia's playing a lute and the townspeople are like, meh, do something uplifting about the plague. This
1: is oh, this is better than just standing here staring at nothing, I guess.
0: Yeah. I do a number about how it's against my civil rights to wear a mask. <laughs> I refuse to wear a mask. Plague's not even real. That's right. It's a, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs>
1: the Italian virus <laughs> the Italian plague
0: someone throws a piece of fruit and hits and hits Jonas in the face Yeah, and he's like you fat rhinoceros all hurt my feelings and he goes in the back right. of the the tent uh, not the tent the cart and uh, the local harlot is back there.
1: And <laughs> she's like, hello.
0: She has food. Mm-hmm. She bends over to show her, show him her whole ass. Mm-hmm. There is no subtlety to what she's doing. No. She then tongue rapes a chicken leg right in front of him. And he's like, I got to get me some of that. <laughs> and they go back there. There's a well-timed chicken squawk. <laughs> yep. You guys have to see the movie to get that joke. And then they go off and they go off and uh, they leave to go do a little bush fucking. Oh, yeah. That's what they're doing. That's what happens. They go, in, they go into the bushes and a stagehand moves the bushes around because fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, they're doing a musical number up on stage. People don't really seem to be enjoying anything. No. And they, they're like, oh, God, if only something else would come along to entertain it. And then comes the Flagellation Brigade. Oh,
1: boy. This will to liven lift things everybody's up. <laughs> yes. the, the flagellants are here. The flagellants are here.
0: And they're a bunch of miserable people with the plague yeah. who uh who believe that the pl- the plague is a is a punishment from God. I guess for all of that crusading that they were doing. I, I don't I know. I guess
1: they must have done something to piss him off.
0: And um, you know, they're whipping themselves. A couple of them have crowns of thorns on their head. They're all miserable. They're all moaning and singing. Um, Quite a few of them are carrying crosses, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The priest comes in and says, look, the plague is you know, everybody's gonna die and this is this is the end of the world this is ju- this is part of judgment day right Steve? oh yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah this is the apocalypse and he starts he starts um,
1: picking out individual people from the crowd and being yeah, like you what's like, your problem you think you're gonna live through this <laughs> fuck you what about you over there you're a loser why aren't you praying to god for deliverance right now shut up
0: you, the one over there, wearing the crown of thorns and has holes in both his hands and his feet. What do you think? You're not going to live past this, boss. Boss, shut up, I'm on a roll. You worthless scum. God hates you. (laughs) He just lifted up into heaven. I didn't look. You don't. Shut up. No, he didn't. Buttered something like, "Jeez, I'm sorry." <laughs> and, <he just> left. <laughs> and then they they leave town and they go into a field and they disappear. Or there's a there's a a, a time pass. Yeah, like a dissolve. It's yeah, just like right. Yeah. We don't think that they just disappeared. No, into smoke. no,
1: they, they don't. They don't have that kind of
0: power. <laughs> But after that, Plog realizes that his wife is gone.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Where'd his wife go? I think his wife is the lady who, you know, went back into the field with the. scat. But when he
0: married the town harlot, she promised not to do that anymore.
1: (laughs) She specifically said she would try to stop.
0: And he's wandering around asking everybody, have you seen my wife? Including people that's never been in the town before. (laughs) I know, I haven't. Sorry. Like John's. John's is there, and he's like, have you seen my wife? and And he's like, "No, she probably ran away, and he's like, "No, I missed my wife <laughs> and uh he goes into the tavern, and uh Joff is there, and he's enjoying a little post uh play snack i right. guess and uh the guy sits down across from him, and unfortunately, Joff says, "Maybe, maybe she ran away with an actor." Yeah, and and Plug is like, "You're the only actor around, so guess what?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's helped out by Revol, that disgusting. Yeah, the, yeah thief. he's
1: not a good guy.
0: And they make him dance on the table. Yeah like a bear and exactly and he's like I don't want to be a bear anymore and you're like oh are they going to kill Joff but then who who busts in John yeah the squire our, our, our favorite I didn't rape you squire <laughs> the,
1: I guess in this particular
0: scenario he's the hero is he a nice I can't he's a nice guy he's
1: a, he's a he's, he is he is a nice guy um, he, he
0: didn't rape that girl or nothing. He was very, he tipped his hat, and, the lady. And, and <laughs>
1: his, his medieval fedora. Yeah. and
0: Anyway. Yeah, yeah Well, ahead. he comes
1: in, he finds Raval, uh, you know, in the middle of tormenting Yoff. And he's like, what did I tell you I was going to do
0: next time I saw you? And what is? does he
1: And do? he, he stands him up and he picks up his knife and he cuts Raval on the face.
0: On the forehead. Yeah,
1: and he's like, That's what I did. see,
0: I told you. I told That's you. That's what you get. That's what you get. And then he and then he turns to Joff and he says, You're lucky I didn't rape you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.
0: hmm But Joff, Joff leaves. And now we cut to we're out by the ocean again. It's sunny. Um, the the player's cart is there. Yeah. And it's just Mia and the Bobby. Mm-hmm. And um, a little distance away is Antonius, yeah. and he's setting up his chessboard. Yeah. Right, he's getting ready to play some more chess with Death, and uh, he starts chit chatting with uh, Mia.
1: Right? Yeah, he's asking her about the baby, and you know how old he yeah. is, and all you know. Yeah.
0: And she's like, "I picked some wild strawberries. Would you like some wild strawberries?" And he's like, "No, that's okay. So you can have some strawberries and here and and have some milk." And and Jan's is there, and Jan's. Jans is there with the lady, and he's like, "Ah, give, break me off of some of that strawberries," <laughs> and uh, and then Joff uh, shows comes up, back. And, yeah, and he's all beat up, and she's like, "Oh, you're a drunk," and all this other stuff. Oh, and Joff stole. Okay, so there's a bracelet thing going on that we forgot to mention. Yeah. So, um, Raval stole the was stealing a bracelet off the corpse, and then he was trying to sell it in the tavern right before he started tormenting tormenting Joff. And right. then Joff stole that bracelet and gives it to Mia when he shows back up. He goes, here you go. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, you shouldn't be drinking and you shouldn't be getting into fights. And he's like, yeah, that's what happened. Can we stop talking about it? <laughs> and he breaks out a lute and he starts playing some music. And all of a sudden, something happens with Antonius. And that's, he his mood lifts. Yeah. And he seems happy. like. Uh, weight has been lifted off him and he's thoroughly enjoying himself in this kind of idyllic setting of just being a person yeah. with other people enjoying simple things like fresh strawberries and milk and um it's a light little spot in the middle of the movie yeah <laughs> because uh not very many people know what max von seidel looks like when he's smiling it's not bad <laughs> <laughs> Right? And then they decide, we're all going off together through the woods, right? Right, right. We're all going off together because there could be wild animals, um, what else could be in the woods? Thieves and yeah. ghosts. Yeah. So you want you to be protected from the wild animals, the thieves, and the ghosts. And so they all go into the woods together. Hooray. Yay. And, but they don't come across any of those things. Not one ghost. No. Not one wild <laughs> animal. Not, not a thief. Not a ghost of an animal or anything like that or any not even a ghost thereof. not yeah. even a ghost of a thief yeah or yeah. A, 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 maybe it could be a ghost of a thief and um, uh, that's it that's all I got <laughs> a ghost
1: of a thieving animal
0: there you go a raccoon it's a raccoon a ghost raccoon
1: <laughs> it's that raccoon who stole my sandwich <laughs>
0: He's, he's, he's eating he's a alive. ghost sandwich
1: to talk to e- me. He's eating a ghost sandwich. How is that even a thing?
0: Oh, my poor sandwich.
1: <laughs> my sandwich is dead, too? Oh, i condemned as
0: a ghost in the forest. <laughs> but who do they come across? Oh, we forgot uh, all about well, this. Yeah, he comes we back. We got to let's rewind back to the church. We're on We're back <laughs> at the church and and um already in a bad mood because his confessor turned out to be death. Right. We run into a woman that is in um footstockades. Oh, that's right, yes. Having and entrails she, thrown at her because the smell keeps the devil away. Yeah. And she's a witch. Ah, the Middle Ages. <laughs> and he's like, how do you know she's a witch? They don't really give him an answer. He tries to talk to her, and as they're leaving, she starts screaming, right? Yeah, yeah. Uplifting. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's happy. Who,
1: who do we run into in the woods? Uh, the, the the knights uh, carrying this witch to be burned.
0: Yep. And one of them says, why aren't you burning her in the village? Everybody likes a good show. And he's like, shut up, you gross. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but, um... Antonius is like, I don't want this. This No, this is bad. Yeah, what are and you guys get, doing? Yeah, and they get her down, and he wants to talk to her, right? Right. And he's like, did you really, did you really, have you seen Satan? Because I'd like to talk to him about God. And he has a point. If you want to talk to somebody who knows God, it would be Satan, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: they've, we know from the Bible they have had multiple conversations.
0: But she's kind of out of it. Yeah. And he really feels badly. And even even uh, Jantz says... If they didn't have so many guards, I'd say we kill them all and let her go. Right, yeah. Um, But instead, um, uh, Antonia slips her a little root of cocaine or something. He says, eat this, you won't feel anything. You won't feel any pain. Right. And she does. And um, they leave as they're getting her ready. Um, They comment on how scared she is, right? Yeah. And uh, then the root, I think the root kills her. Uh, you could it's, interpret it's, it as yeah. she passes out, but I think what that root actually does is it actually... I think the root actually killed her in that scene, so that she yeah. wouldn't have to be burned alive. Right. That's my interpretation of it. it yeah, could just it, it is. It's open to
1: interpretation, out. but yeah, yeah, you can take it that way.
0: So that was, that was, boy, life that was happy. Me. That was happy. So now they're in the woods, and our whole... Oh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet, Jason. Not yeah. yet. So they're going down a country. This happened actually before the deeply dark... Which burning scene? Yeah, where we are going down there, and for whatever reason, Plog is with us now. Right. Pl- <laughs> Plog actually apologizes to Joff. Right. Saying, He's remorseful. I'm sorry, I was yeah. drunk. I know I can get this way when I'm drunk. Please forgive me, baby. I promise I won't be that way again. Joff is like, "Fuck off!" And he, he runs. <laughs> he runs to his cart, and now for whatever reason. Plog is following the cart, and as yes. we're going down a uh, down road, we see, oh boy, we see Jonas Scat and um, the harlot, whatever her name is, Lisa, Yeah. and Plog's like, oh, I've got my hammer and it's time to kill, and he starts chasing him, right? Right. And so now we have this argument between um, Plog, Jonas, and his wife, right?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Where the wife says, oh no, he made me do it, he's a silver-tongued devil, and I'll make you all your favorite foods. Come on, baby, take me back. And um, Jonas starts talking to him about, "Please kill me. I want to die. I want to die." And and Plog at this point is like, "Oh, I kind of like that guy. <laughs> I don't want to kill him
1: now. <laughs> I don't want to kill him now." Then, he, I, want, I think he he says he's going to have to fight me or something. Like yeah. I can't kill him.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> then Plog take uh, not Plog, uh, Scat uh, Scat takes out yeah. a, a dagger and plunges it into his heart, and he dies. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh no." And, uh, you know, Yoff knows what's going on, and he whispers it over to, to Antonius. Right. And then they wander away. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, because we know it's a prop knife. Right. And Jonas is like, ha, ha, I got away with it. i such a hide, good actor. I'm going to hide up in a tree uh, to keep thieves and wild animals and ghosts away. <laughs> or
1: something. Yeah, I, for some reason.
0: He climbs up into a tree, and he hears something, Steve.
1: Yeah, he, well, he hears a... Uh... He hears a sawing sound.
0: And he's like, ah, local woodcutters.
1: <laughs> yeah, very local.
0: But he looks down and there's a guy all dressed in black sawing through the tree.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: And he's like, hey, you, what are you doing? And the guy looks up and apparently as soon as you see his face, you know exactly who he is. Right, right.
1: right. And he's deaf and he's like, hey, I'm deaf. I'm cutting this tree down.
0: And he's like, but I have a performance. And he's like, the performance has been canceled because of your death.
1: Yes. And he
0: answers back, but I have a contract. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you don't get it, do you?
0: And he saws down the tree, and it yep. topples over, and I guess Jonas is dead. I guess so. So now we are there camping, right? And um, now, it wasn't Revol that shows up, is it?
1: I think it is.
0: I think it's Revol With the
1: plague, yeah. with the yeah, Revol got yeah.
0: insta-plague. Yeah, and he has shown up and he's like, I have the plague now, please give me water and everyone is trying to stop um what's her name? The the maid? Yeah. The young lady from giving him water. Right. And Jans is like, There's nothing we can do. He's a dick. <laughs> he's lucky I he's lucky I didn't rape him.
1: <laughs> Seriously, he's better off.
0: And then he has like um a screaming fit and then he falls down and he's dead. That's the way it goes. No one even comes over to kick a little dirt over his corpse. They just kind of leave him there. And they're like, oh, that was fun. Meanwhile, Antonius is setting up his chessboard. And Death shows up and says, hey, we're going to finish this game or what? <laughs> Come
1: on, buddy. Enough stalling.
0: They're, they're chit-chatting back and forth. Who notices that Death is there?
1: Yoff uh, uh, notices.
0: Yoff notices. And he's like, um, we're leaving. Yeah. We're leaving now. We're so gonna there's go. Death. <laughs> we got to go. See. Death is there. I don't see him. I swear to God, this isn't like last time. He's right there. We're leaving. Come on. And they get in the cart and they take off. Yep. As they're trying to... Now, here's the thing. The way it's interpreted is that as these guys are trying to get their stuff together to leave, Antonius notices that they're trying to leave, and he intentionally tries to thwart the game to give them more time. Right. right? He
1: knocks over the chess pieces.
0: Because I guess now death is killing everybody.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah That's
0: traveling with him Everyone gets to die But um, he sets the pieces back up And guess what? Um, Antonius is in check Yep Nothing you can do
1: No, he Death says uh, The next time we meet I will take you And all of your companions That's right yeah. yeah that's
0: the one that's when he says that, he I'll take you and all your companions, and then he sees that they're leaving. And so then he kind of messes up the chessboard, and he's going to give by them more time to escape, right right.
1: because cause death is the one who puts the pieces back because mm-hmm. he remembers where they were,
0: of course, he does. <laughs> he also answers a few other questions, like, he asks Death some questions about, you know, the answers that he's seeking about to, to uh, help him with his doubt, right? Right. Because he thinks Death has the answers, and Death is like, I don't know anything about that shit.
1: Right, exactly. Look,
0: I got a job. You know what that job is? Taking people on a little dance macabre to whatever <laughs> it is, but I don't go there. See? Right. I, this is all I have.
1: I just kill them, okay?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a middle management type of dude. Don't know what the higher-ups <laughs> do. Don't care what the lower-downs do. Okay. I got a list. I, I cross it off the list. If I do my job well, eternity doesn't snap or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't really ask questions. I just, I just do what I'm t- supposed to do. I
0: do my job. And so now there's a storm. And uh, the rest of the party, which includes <laughs> which includes Plog, his yeah. wife, um, Jans, his not-girlfriend that she's like, she wasn't raped. Yes. And... Um, and Antonius, right? Right. They're going back to his house where hopefully his wife is. Right. right? Exactly. And Yoff um, and um, Mia and their Beba are traveling off, and Yoff and is like, "That's death. The storm is death. Let' quick. Let's hide in our, in our hut or whatever in our cart. Yeah. And be afraid. And then we cut over, and Antonius comes home, and his wife is there. And at first, she's kind of like, "God damn it." <laughs> <laughs> But then they love each other, and they missed each other, and they would have yeah. fucked if those other people hadn't been there. Yeah. Oh, how nice She's that you like, brought your, oh, friends your friends home. I guess Craig. I'll make them breakfast.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she mentions that that she heard that he was coming back, so that's why she stuck around because everybody else has fled because of the plague. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so <clears throat> they're having breakfast. And she's reading from the big book of the Bible. Yeah, the biggest Bible I've ever seen. And what does she read? What part of the Bible is she reading from?
1: Uh, the 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 Book of Revelation, and it's the same quote that we got at the beginning.
0: That's right. About the the seventh
1: a, seal being opened.
0: And then there's a kanak knock at the door, and no one wants to go get it. <laughs> but then, but then Jans, the atheist, decides mm-hmm. that he's gonna go do it. So he goes out there and he opens the door. Comes back and they said, "There's nobody there. There's nobody." And they're like, "Phew." Until death shows up. Uh-oh. <laughs> he's in the hallway and he's walking towards them. And everyone gets up and, you know, they're like curtsy for him. Curtsy for our our, our guest, right? Yeah. And everyone's kind of going through their own weird freak out. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony starts praying, right? Right, right. And um, the poor maid, whose life has been hell. And who hasn't s- spoken. Who since hasn't spoken. Her, yeah, <laughs> breaks in and a big old grin and says, finally, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the coast again. Yeah. And Yoff and Mia are fine. Hooray. And Yoff has another one of his crazy visions. What does he see, Steve?
1: Uh, up on a ridge, look, overlooking where they are, he sees a series of figures being Having led. Having a freak out. Yeah, <laughs> being led by death in the Dance Macabre.
0: Including Jonas. Yeah. And the dance macabre. Apparently, it looks like someone dragging eight people behind them.
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't. They're not really dancing.
0: They're not. <laughs>
1: they're, not. <laughs> they're just kind of being dragged along. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Jonas is like, we. we they look. They, they didn't take us, but they got them. I should be sad, I think, but I'm not gonna be because we're the lucky people. Hooray for yeah. us.
1: <laughs> we're not dead yet. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, that's the point of the movie, huh? Oh well, keep smiling, keep smiling, yay! (laughs) The end.
1: (laughs) That's it. Yoda, there's a one, the final line where Mia says, "Oh, you and your visions." After he like he describes the seeing the dance macabre, and she's like, "You and your visions." A
0: sitcom ending to this movie.
1: Freeze frame on them laughing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, you and your visions. Da 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 da, da, da.
1: <laughs> Puts her arms on her hips like. Banks- oh, rocked you. Bank rock as
0: death. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> death is yes. like stirring a pot, and then it kind of bubbles, and he looks at the camera and goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It becomes too many cooks, but instead of a like serial killer guy, it's, it's dead. It's dead. The Seventh it's Seal.
1: Death. That's perfect.
0: Ah, so, Steve. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this life-affirming um, movie <laughs> about doubt and faith and nothingness?
1: This life-affirming this movie.
0: extended existential crisis, The Seventh Seal.
1: Um, It's good. <laughs> I think... I mean, like, uh, I, given one of our most our most popular, like, or most frequently referenced running gags about how I love all the dark shit, like, yeah. how yeah. could I not love this movie? Exactly. Um,
0: yeah, it's your only complaint is why couldn't the baby die?
1: Yeah, <laughs> come on, everybody else. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned something. I can't remember if you mentioned this after we started recording the show or if you mentioned it in our pre-show talk. But there is mm-hmm. something, even though it's it's. It's extremely bleak, but it's also weirdly life-affirming in mm-hmm. its own way. Um, I, and I'll get to that. But first, I, I really admire uh, the way the movie blends naturalism with elements of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I really noticed watching it. Because, because the naturalism reinforces the fantasy, and the fantasy reinforces the naturalism. Like If you, if you take out the fantasy element if you make this just the story of a knight and his squire coming home from the crusades and meeting people on the way and the knight having a a crisis of faith and then you know bonding with the family of actors and Mm -hmm. there's the plague sort of hanging over everybody's heads like that that's still a good movie there's still compelling stuff in there but adding the fantasy element of antonius playing chess with a personification of death Um, really allows Bergman to focus on what this movie is about Mm -hmm. and uh, because Antonius is able to literally confront death which is something you couldn't do in real life but you can do in this movie Um, and that's something that fantasy storytelling can do it it can focus it can clarify you know, it can, it can really, really draw your eye to the point that it's trying to make in a way that you can't do as directly, usually with a more naturalistic or more realistic story. Um, and the naturalism also works to underline the power of the fantasy because everything is so understated. I mean, other than the conceit that death is a person, uh, the film is pretty low-key and realistic, and I don't mean, like, it's not realistic in the sense of being historically accurate, because it's not. Um, not really. Not really. But but in the sense of, like, the movie has a very matter-of-fact... The
0: setting is allegorical. It's yeah, not supposed it, to be historical.
1: Right. It's not meant to... Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a fable. Um, yeah. But it has, but it's it has a very here here comes a big a big uh, snooty film critic word for you. It has a very realistic mise en scène. Uh, it's very it's very matter of fact. You know the 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 it's very um, the there are some amazing amazing shots in this movie, but they're all very unfussy. You know, there's not a lot of like you don't see a lot of like string pulling or like you know a really like tortured camera angles or you know it's wow like- what an like anwa yeah, it's exactly it's very like boom, here you go. Uh-huh. you know very and very and even the, the 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 introduction of death is a great example. It's very understated. he's just there. We just cut to a reverse shot of what uh, antonius is looking at and he's just standing there. Uh-huh. you know, no big entrance, no supernatural stuff. he's just there. no and musical Antoni- kind of no exactly story. nothing. no flourishes or anything. And, and you know, antonius is like, who are you And he's like, I'm death, you know and that's it. And mm-hmm. and that's and it's like he he arrived, death arrives without fanfare and unexpectedly as it sometimes <laughs> does in real life. It's just there and you're like, "Oh, there's death." <laughs> oh, that's um, great. Uh, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> what a homecoming. Um, yeah. Um and and all of the performances, I think uh, are have this naturalistic understatement to them. I mean, de- death is not the over-the-top villain. He's not theatrical, uh, except for the costume, you could argue. Um, he's soft-spoken. He does it, very soft-spoken, and, and very patient, and very calm, like, unflappable, because he knows, and as he says during a couple of the scenes, like, he doesn't, there's nothing for him to get upset about, because he knows in the end, he's always going to win. Yeah. He's like, I come for everybody. I take everybody. It doesn't matter. You can delay a little bit with this chess game, but I'm, I'm still gonna take you. Like, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, and He's
0: one of only three characters that have no doubt. That's right. Yonks, right. Mia, and Death have ways of going about their lives in this world that are uncluttered, right, and focused.
1: They don't question. Mm-hmm. They're not they, neurotic. They don't. They, they don't know. doubt. They're yeah. not. You know.
0: Exactly. They, they have clear. I mean, Death has a clear purpose in life. Or in whatever it is that he is,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, and and playing opposite of that, Von Sydow finds this perfect note with which to play Antonius. Because for most of the movie, except for that scene we mentioned where he's sort of opening up uh, to Mia and he has when they're eating the strawberries and mm-hmm. drinking the milk, and he seems to be having a nice time. Yeah. Um, other other than that, he comes across as he's very tired. He's disillusioned, mm-hmm. um, kind of dragging but he's a good enough actor to put that across without it feeling like he's just giving a flat performance and that's no, really he's not. and that's no, really impressive not. because he mm-hmm. he's playing a, a very down character but he doesn't give a down performance um and and that and that then you know emphasizes those few moments when he does actually come a bit more to life right um so, and I, you know, this, we, we joke a little bit about, you know, foreign films and, you know, um, I think if anybody is listening, <laughs> if, if anybody is listening to this and, and for whatever reason, they have not seen that many foreign films, or maybe this is even, this would be the first foreign film that they ever watch. If they're a fellow American of ours and they just haven't dabbled in foreign film, especially foreign language film, um, I think this would be a good first film for someone to watch. Hmm. first foreign film, because not only is it a great film and not only is it great in a different way than most of the Hollywood films that were being made at the time, but I think it refutes one of the most commonly held stereotypes that a lot of Americans hold about foreign films who don't actually know about them, which is that foreign films are all these pretentious, incomprehensible films um, and like some, Because somehow or another, we, we, this idea sort of took root among Americans who don't know any better, that all foreign films mm-hmm. are these grandiose, self-indulgent, esoteric art films. And like, while there are certainly foreign films that are like that, and also a yeah. lot of American films that are like that, yeah. um, that's never really been the norm. And The Seventh Seal is not one of them. It does deal with these really big ideas. It does, you know, sort of point at universal themes of human experience, things that are sort of simultaneously basic and impenetrably mysterious, like life and death, but it does it in a way that's actually really simple and direct and forthright. And, and rooted in emotions and doubts and fears that I think everybody knows a little bit of something about. Everybody has experienced at one time or another. We've all thought about life and death. And it, those of us who have believed in God or believe in God now uh, have asked these questions and sort of tried to work out why are things like this. And, mm-hmm. and it, it finds a way to present death both the character and, and the, the, the condition, the inevitability it, and it presents it in a way that, that honors the finality of it and the inescapability of it and it seems simultaneously bleak and hopeful because mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't tell us, well, you can escape death. It never says that. And it doesn't even explicitly promise like an afterlife or any kind of relief or reprieve from death. Right. It says death is going to come for all of us. Eventually, but like Yoff and Mia and little Mikkel at the end of the movie, we're still here for now, and -hmm. that's the hopeful part. We we our lives are going to end eventually, but we still have our lives now, and we still have the opportunity to live them, and that is the uplifting part. Mm -hmm. Even without denying any of the bleak stuff. It still finds a, a, a hopeful note to end on, and that's and that is kind of extraordinary. That you, you you don't sell somebody like a happy story. You don't say like, well, maybe it won't be so bad. Maybe there'll be angels and clouds and singing. It doesn't yeah, say that. Yeah, they
0: don't go to a disco. No, it's
1: not it, like
0: welcome welcome to the afterlife.
1: No, it doesn't say that. It just says for now you have you still have the chance to get in your cart and ride away and continue your life. And mm-hmm. and there's joy and there should be joy in that. And there should be, you know, even Jan says that bastard <laughs> Jan says <laughs> at the moment of their death, he says, you will you will still have the pride of having been alive, mm-hmm. you know. And so the, it finds these notes of, of hope and of and mm-hmm. of uplift in that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, saying that the movie is completely about doubt is not really what the movie is completely about. The movie is about death yeah. and about how people's approaches to that inevitability vary across a wide spectrum. As I said before, these were issues, because um, I've listened to enough interviews with uh, A. Mark Bergman specifically about this film, is that that was something that he was struggling with. So like any other artist, he put it down paper. And then he, that became a play, which was a comedy, and then it became this movie. And it is very much a personal story for Megmar Bergman, but he decided that he was going to tell it like classic tales from the pre-Renaissance era. The original title of this movie was going to be The Night and Death. Hmm. And a lot of stories are like uh, from the, that age are like hmm. that as well. The Monk and the Devil, you know, they would yeah. that would be the name of the story, but he decided to call it The Seventh Seal. Um, there The hope comes in this movie, in the middle, and you don't know if the characters are aware that this is hope, but the hope comes when Antonius can, for a brief moment, live in the now and not in the what may be. Right. His, all of his concerns are about what comes after, what comes after death what, what's going to go on, my faith I don't know if I believe in God anymore and what does that mean after I die Am I going, is there nothing but an abyss like Jan's, the, you know, the thing that Jan's believes um, or, you know, I've done all of these things in the name of God, I suffered all of these trials when I was in the crusades all I want, all, all I'm really demanding at this point is that God acknowledge me, right Yeah. Yeah. that's all he wants he wants God to acknowledge him. <laughs> and he, this is throwing him into this world of doubt. He's living in the future. He's living in the what is going to come. And the only time that he gets reprieved from that is when he stops focusing on that and lives in the exact present. Yeah. Where he can enjoy what is going on around him. And that's when he's with the players. There's a happy baby. There's someone playing... <laughs> delightful music it's springtime right he's enjoying some some food and and some you know and not cooked food it is fresh fruit and milk mm-hmm. that's it yeah and that lifts his spirits because for a moment he has stopped worrying about everything else and if there's any message that this movie wants to try to convey is live now do this now stop worrying about what's next that's going to happen no matter what ha- no matter what you do now is when you should be alive because you'll miss it if you're worrying about the future. Mm -hmm. This movie was pretty gutsy. It didn't really portray the church very well, did it, Steve? (laughs) Uh, Not really. (laughs) The church is not a place of comfort for the night at any stage. No, not at all. And um, there seems to be some distractions. There's a little bit here. He chose the artists to be the ones that are happy, right? Mm -hmm. Mia and Joff are the ones that are happy and there is something to be said that they are doing their best to entertain people in the darkest of times Right? Mm-hmm. things aren't going good to reemphasize that the flagellants show up in the middle of their, in the middle of their um, song and these, they represent despair these are the people who believe they're being punished and so why not, uh, why not add to the misery by beating yourself with reeds, that's great <laughs> you're dying of plague, may as well <laughs> nothing else is going to help we have examples of people like Jans, who is the atheist, who is the one that says, don't give the man water because he's dead anyway, right? This kind of right. what they call reality in the movie is what we would call logic or reason right. now, and how cold and unsympathetic that viewpoint can be. Now, I don't think he's making a declarative statement saying that atheism is like that across the board, because Jans also does nice things in the movie. Right, yeah. Things that you're like, well, how do I feel about them now? <laughs> <laughs> Jans obviously gives a shit about things like justice and, and uh, doing what's right. He's carrying his own demons around with him as well. Um, but, I mean, this movie took all of these conflicting ideas, turned them into characters. You're saying that it's the personification of death? These characters in the movies are personifications of things inside Ingmar Bergman. Mm-hmm these conflicts. He turned them into characters and had them play against each other so they could help him work out what he was struggling with. And maybe other people. Because Steve's right. People have struggled with these things long before this movie came out. It's just that no one had made a movie about it yet. <laughs> Mainly because they're afraid to say anything bad about the church at all. <laughs> at all. Yeah. And while this is not a condemnation of the, ch- of the church... Um, whenever the iconography of the Christian religion shows up, it's usually something dark and bad and awful. We get, he goes to a church to confess, but death's there. There's no one there. There's no one there to hear him. There's no one there that can help him. He goes outside. They're burning. They're getting ready to burn a witch. They're throwing dog entrails on her, and they're getting ready to, to, to burn somebody because they don't know what else to do. Because in this movie, God is not present. There's no miracle. God's hand doesn't come down and save Joff and Mia when right. death is is running all over the place. There is no in a traditional movie uh, a saintly priest would give words of wisdom that would calm Antonius's troubled brow. That doesn't happen. It offers almost no comfort. If anything, it increases the misery that's going on in in this world. Mm-hmm. That's a bold statement to make in 1957. Yeah. But thankfully the artsy types didn't care. (laughs) They're like, Give me another one of them one of them marijuana cigarettes, we're gonna watch it again. Um, but aside from that, cinematography is great. It's in black and white when you could have made it in color. I mm-hmm. actually tried to picture it in color. And I was like, boy, this movie wouldn't work in color. You can tell that they're they're shooting in some verdant green areas that would take away from the darkness of tone that I think mm-hmm. that he was trying to get to. And had it been in color, it would have been a conflicting it would have been conflicting tones. Um, especially that abandoned village scene when they walk up to it. You can obviously see flowers blooming and, yeah. and grass blowing in the wind. And you're like, geez, I'd want to live. <laughs> There, if it was in color, <laughs> um, all of the performances are great. There's yeah. not a dud among them. Um, it, it in black and white. There are certain scenes that remind me very much of uh, uh, classic silent films. Uh, going back to the day, I'm not saying they're over mugging, but I'm talking about in the framing. Um, yeah. This is in uh, what is it standard three by what is it three by two? Yeah. It's not. It's it's not. It's not in CinemaScope. It's not Panavision. It's not any of that crap. Um, and yeah. It's one of those movies that la- lets you think. It doesn't necessarily give you any solid answers, but it does point to certain things that the, that the artist is feeling. And um, that's one of the reasons why I like it, because it doesn't say that anybody's inherently wrong, and it doesn't say that anybody's inherently right. Yeah. It, it, pr- it, gives you, it gives you the menu, and it allows you to sample what you want and take away, take away from it what you want. Now, some people will say, well, it's obvious it's Josh Joff and Mia, because they get away. I'm like, no, they get away. The whole point of death is that death is going to get the death cities come for. Right. There's no stopping it. There's no preventing it. There's no sidelining it. They didn't get picked up because they weren't going to get picked up. Right. You can't can't bother with it. You can't can't trick death. So, yeah, it's a great movie. I loved it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Boy, oh, boy. I watched it one time, and then I immediately watched it again. And, guys, it's free on YouTube, so go for it. Yeah. (laughs) Go for it before someone wises up. Because <laughs> because the free version is right there, and right underneath it is fucking YouTube's advertisement for renting it from them for for like three ninety nine or something. So <laughs> somebody's gonna get notice back, that. Get back at the man. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. They yay. Oh
1: yay.
0: Hey Steve, do you have a movie you'd like to not recommend?
1: <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do.
0: Yay. Um,
1: I almost not recommended uh, the movie *Incubus*, starring William Shatner, but I think I might have not recommended that one before. You I, have. Can't, I can't. I can't remember.
0: Did, I think you have.
1: I think I have too. I didn't go back and check, but I think I have too. So just to play it safe, I'm going to not recommend uh, another movie that I know I haven't mentioned yet that has. <laughs> A few things in common with the seventh seal. Uh, None of the important things, (laughs) but there are parallels that can be drawn between them. It is also a movie about knights returning from the Crusades. Hooray! They also encounter a witch. Oh, no. Who has been blamed for a plague.
0: Of course.
1: Um, It does not star uh, Max von Sydow.
0: Uh, boo.
1: It's, not dire- it? it's not direct. It's not directed. It's not directed by Ingmar Bergman. Another um, strike. It does star Nicholas Cage.
0: Oh Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> and it's a movie from 2011 called "Season of the Witch." <laughs> season
0: of the
1: witch. <laughs> the season of the witch. Now, it's not even. It's not even as good as that song. <laughs> um. But no, and, and, and Nicolas Cage and also Ron Perlman play these two knights who are returning home from the Crusades, and uh, they come back, they, they come to a village where there's uh, a woman who is uh, been accused of as being a witch and is being blamed for a plague, and uh, they have to take this this woman, who as it turns out really is possessed by a demon oh, that, no. that really is responsible for the plague. So take Uh-oh. that, take that medical science. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they don't want to, their mission isn't to kill her. Their mission is to take her uh, to a church so she can be exorcised of the demon. Oh good, and, it gets and, better. And, and that will, that will cure the plague. That'll fix everything. Um, yeah, that'll fix everything, just like it would have in real life if they would have just found the woman with the demon back during the Black Death. And... So
0: when does Ron Perlman die in the movie? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think they both die. I think oh, uh, I think both uh, Nicolas Cage and Ron Perlman both die. And uh, oh, also, I forgot to mention, uh, Christopher Lee.
0: Oh. Yeah, why I know. Did he make it hurt.
1: Christopher Lee playing a Catholic cardinal who is infected with the plague. Now, oh, now, boy. let me just let me just say in a better movie. That is the perfect role for Old Man Christopher Lee. <laughs> can you imagine a better use of Old Man Christopher Lee than playing a Catholic cardinal infected with the plague? But unfortunately, this is not that movie. Um, it's it's a really, really, the, the best thing I can say about it is that it's the same length as The Seventh Seal. It's only a little bit longer than 90 minutes. So at least it's got that going for it. But other than that, not a good movie at all. Um, so if you, if you saw The Seventh Seal and then you, you, you type uh, it into Google and you're like, I wonder what other I, movies are, are about the, the Knights and the Crusades and the Black Death. Don't, don't, don't. Watch Season of the Witch. It's not good.
0: Okay. Now, as you guys know, I like to review a, a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. Uh-huh. And this time, my not recommendation is related to this movie in setting, kind of. Ooh. It's got Vikings. Oh, boy. It's got Sea Serpent. There's a voyage in it. Uh, The full title of this movie made by Roger Corman is The Saga of the Viking Women and Their Voyage to the Waters of the Great Sea Serpent. That's its full title.
1: What a great title. It
0: got truncated to... Viking Women and uh, and the Sea Serpent or something like that. It not stars as, nobody and it's garbage. Don't see it.
1: Not as good of a title, but, you know, it has a certain but appeal.
0: Roger Corman is famous because he got a lot of industry professionals their first job and they owe him a debt of thanks and because he's a nice guy. Right. And, and so, of course, they put him in his movies, they talk about him. Only a few of his monies are so bad they're good. This is one of those ones that they're so bad you shouldn't see it. This is one, <laughs> one of those ones because you're thinking, oh boy, I'm going to see Viking. Viking women's fight. You don't. They go on a voyage to save their men, and then they save their men, and the men fight. And yeah, there's a sea serpent. It's nothing good. Don't. Just don't. Don't don't see it. It's bad. Now, I know you want to because the full name is the saga of Viking women and their voyage to the waters of the great sea serpent, but don't see it. That title is making up for something. (laughs) Hey, Steve. Yeah, my friend? It's time for you to make a terrible choice. Oh
1: man! After we reviewed the Seventh Seal.
0: Yeah, after we reviewed the Seventh Seal. Is and it... since everyone was saying, "Why do you keep putting bad movies in the choice?" I'm gonna take. A, I'm taking a little break for that. So all three of these movies are considered classics. All of them are considered good. Oh boy! But it's going to be doing something for us, Steve. Oh really? It's going to exercise one of our demons. Oh. It's going to allow us to make peace with it. Okay. And let it go. Okay. Or torment us. Oh, God. Okay. Alright, so (laughs) all of these movies are made by the same director. Okay. And writer. Oh, okay. Okay, so you have a choice. Oh, boy. A, B, or C, Steve? A simple choice. (sighs) A choice a baby could make, but the ramifications are for a man. Are you a man, Steve?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna find out. Um, Okay. I choose A.
0: You choose A. I choose A. So, had Steve chosen B, we would be reviewing the Oscar nominated Hannah and her sisters.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Had you chosen C, we would have watched the Oscar nominated Annie Hall.
1: Okay.
0: But you chose A, Steve. I did. I did. A movie by Woody Allen. hmm Someone who we've been avoiding on purpose, right, Steve?
1: <laughs> Gee, I wonder why that could be.
0: I don't know. But I was inspired by the fact that you were willing to gloss over child sexual abuse to endorse Superman Returns <laughs> that we were finally able to address this hole in oh. our review history.
1: If only I had Did- known what I was doing.
0: That's right, you opened the big bag of ickiness and now we need to contend with it.
1: Oh boy. okay
0: the movie that we're going to review is one of Woody Allen's earlier films. I tried to pick three within his you know I tried to pick one early early film. Mm-hmm. one from the eight, one from the 70s yeah. and then one from the 80s. Right. Gotcha. So the movie that we're going to review next. Is a Woody Allen classic. Oh boy! Sleeper. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not bad? Okay. Maybe we could we could ignore anything that's in it that could be problematic. Right.
1: We'll we'll, we'll see.
0: Remember, he had his goofy period stage, his goofy film stage. Oh yeah. And then His cerebral film stage, and then his I don't want anyone to find out that I'm in love with my teenage stepdaughter phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that was an and, important phase.
0: And then the uh oh, people are finding out about it phase. Yeah. Exactly
1: the maybe-I-shouldn't-be-in-the-movies-for-a-while phase.
0: Right, so we're going to confront the idea, can we still like Woody Allen knowing what we know? Right, oh. Steve? Oh, can't boy. Can't be that hard, considering what you've done in your past! I can't
1: wait. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be great. Uh, good.
0: O- originally, it was going to be three problematic ones, but I just decided, well, we'll just do all Woody Allen, right? Yeah.
1: That'll work. Yeah. So, if you guys want
0: to get all the jokes watch sleeper before our next review there you go that's it we're done i feel great my life is affirmed i'm not worried about nothing now (laughs) me either we're like cinema vikings we're gonna take Woody Allen, we're gonna slay him we're gonna review that movie
1: we're gonna drag him to the waters of the sea monster
0: yeah, like we, yeah, 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 like we did. Yeah. Hey, hey, sure. Steve. Just uh-huh. on an off topic. Uh huh. Do you know what Brian, what movie Brian Singer wants to do next, and they're actually greenlighting it?
1: The last I heard, it was going to be Red Sonia. Nope. But I don't know what's after that. I know, I know he was taking off of There's a little,
0: that. there's a little movie that he's been wanting to do for a long time. Now I, I need to ask you a question. Okay. Knowing what you know about Brian Singer and his oh. history about, uh, you know, molesting young boys. <gasps> yeah,
1: that. Yeah. What yeah. would
0: be the last thing a studio would greenlight for him to do? A reboot of
1: oh, The Lord of the Flies.
0: Oh, that's close. <laughs> <laughs> but Pe- I don't think there's not enough preteen boys in it.
1: Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Peter Pan. Nope. No, that's only
0: one preteen boy. Oh. we need lots and lots of them, and they're all singing and dancing. What is it? Newsies.
1: Oh my God. <laughs>
0: Hey everybody! It's okay to hate Hollywood a lot.
1: Why would any? A lot. <laughs> Why are they remaking newsies anyway?
0: Yeah, anyway. the only the only way it could get worse is it star. You know, if it's starring freaking. Uh, oh God, my brain is gone now. <laughs> Which is a good thing. That means I can't remember uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh God newsies starring kevin spacey and oh. first question is i don't remember them being half naked in the stance number from the original
1: <laughs> please don't let this happen
0: uh, the only thing i could think of is it's a payoff to keep him quiet before he starts naming other names yeah i wasn't the only one at
1: those parties
0: guess who else was there and here's the pictures
1: oh i can't believe this would ever come back to haunt us
0: anyway on that horrible note <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> to the show once again. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week.
1: And this has been Steve Shives, and remember what my grandma used to whisper in my ear every night before bed. Love is the blackest of all plagues. If one could die of it, there would be some pleasure in love, but you don't die of it.
0: What are you telling the boy again? Shut up! You're telling him about me being the Black Death. Well, <laughs> I'm not. I'm telling him the truth. Here, you stay laying in there, little Stevie boy, and I'm going to show you love like you've never seen before. Get over here, Margaret, and pop them teeth out. <laughs>
1: oh, God.
0: Shut up, Stevie. Crying is part of it. Okay, take, take the
1: pillowcase off your head.
0: <laughs> now stare. <laughs> now stare. Don't blink. We want to etch this directly into your brain. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a ginger snap while you watch? Oh, no, God. Grandma. Please. <laughs> Grab a <no>. oh.
1: <laughs> Thank you, my friend, for not using my grandmother's actual name in that little bit.
0: What you discover I, is just you, how freaking boring it is. Yeah, as like, they start talking about their stuff while they're doing it in front of you. <laughs> like,
1: is, that's it?
0: Roy down at the plant's going to be off next week, so I'm thinking about picking up some of his shifts. <laughs>
1: Was was that it? Are you done? That wasn't it? Okay, never mind.
0: Not quite.
1: Hang on. Give me a second.
0: I need to go to the Stuckies next week because we're almost out of (laughs) margin. I need to go to the Stuckies. That's exactly. I think that's appropriately dark enough to end the show, don't you? Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Good. Bye, (laughs) everybody. Bye, everybody. How in the fuck do we live with ourselves?
1: Um,
0: do we? Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding, produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts.